today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You don't think God's been gracious for the last 6,000 years of human history? You don't think God has extended His grace to mankind over human history? I mean, one need look no further than to what you would do if you were God, which is why you're not God. (laughs) That's why I'm not God. I wouldn't have been that gracious. I'd have torched them a long time ago. Oh, you laughed, but you would have done the same thing. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. If God's wrath was fully poured out on the earth, what would that look like? Well, you don't want to be here to see it happen. Today, Pastor J.D. explains how God has been very patient with the human race, despite their continual betrayal going after every other thing but Him. But God wants people to turn to Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 25 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Satan's very intelligent. And so when the rapture happens, they've got, they've already got the explanation as to what happened to us in place. Wow. Well, they're out of the way. (laughs) To which I say, see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. You will reduce the noise of aliens, carries with it the idea of strangers, foreigners, as heat in a dry place, as heat in the shadow of a cloud. The song of the terrible ones will be diminished. And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of well-refined wines on the lees. It's been suggested that verse 6 is a reference to the wedding feast of the Lamb, which by the way is what the Savior himself refers to in the Last Supper in Luke's account, no less than two times, when he talks about this that we're doing, finding its fulfillment in my kingdom. Verse 7, And he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all people, and the veil that is spread over all nations. Verse 8, I like this. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of His people He will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. There it is again. Did you catch that? All He has to do is speak it. And it's a done deal. Notice, the rebuke of his people will be taken away from all the earth. Not a moment too soon. The persecution of his people, the rebuke of his people, the mocking and the ridiculing of his people, 
I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but lately Christians are kind of the, <laughs> the finger of blame is pointing at us. You know that, right? The evangelical. Yeah. Good is evil and evil is good. The Christian's the problem. Uh, real quick, this one mention here on swallowing up death forever. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 and 55. The Apostle Paul echoes this saying, death has been swallowed up in victory. And then there's this sanctified taunting of death. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Never think for a moment that death was ever part of God's plan. Death entered the world when sin entered the world. Death entered with it. That's why Jesus is referred to as the second and final Adam. The first Adam brought sin into the world, and the second and final Adam came into the world to pay in full for that sin and death with it. And that's the resurrection. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, He defeated death. That's why when we talk about Romans in the ABCs of salvation, it is so important to understand. And when Paul to the Corinthians in chapter 15 in his first epistle to the Corinthians, verses 1 through 4, says that the gospel is that Jesus came, that He was crucified, that He was buried, and that He rose again. Romans 10, Paul says that it's that you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. That's specific. He had to be resurrected in order to be victorious over death, to swallow up in victory death. No more death. No more death, man. I could go on and on, just on that. And you know I could? I won't. Verse 9, and it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him, and He will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. We will be glad and rejoice in His salvation. For on this mountain the hand of the Lord will rest, and Moab shall be trampled down under him, as straw is trampled down for the refuse heap. And verse 11, he will spread out his hands in their midst, as a swimmer reaches out to swim, and he will bring down their pride together with the trickery of their hands. The fortress, verse 12, of the high fort of your walls, he will bring down, lay low, and bring to the ground, down to the dust. It will happen. Chapter 25 and 26 sort of go together in the sense that it's a continuation of this song of praise to the Lord. Chapter 26 verse 1, in that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. 
God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. And verse 3, a familiar and loved and known verse to many, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Just real quick before we move on to verse 4. Perfect peace. Jesus said, I come to give you peace, not as the world gives. That's an imperfect peace. That's a peace that's predicated upon the circumstances in your life being good. I can, I can have peace now, just peace of mind. That's imperfect peace, and it doesn't last. This is perfect peace, and He will keep you, me, in that perfect peace. He'll keep us there, if and when our minds are fixed, stayed on Him not double-minded. And here's the clincher, if I can say it like that, because He trusts in you. Now watch this. Okay, now if I flip this around, this implies that I will not be kept in an imperfect peace because my mind is not stayed on the Lord. Why is my mind not stayed on the Lord? Because apparently I really don't trust in the Lord. Did you get that? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways. And then here's the clincher. Don't lean on your own understanding. That's the problem. Right? Because see, if I'm leaning on my own understanding, I've got this God. I'm not acknowledging God in all of my ways, because I understand. When is it that I acknowledge Him? When I don't understand. God, I don't understand. It's about time. It's about time you called on me, acknowledged me, trusted in me. I've been waiting here. But no, you're just like, hey, I got this. And now that you failed for the 1,429th time, come to the end of yourself, and you realize that you need me, because it's a mess. And if you'll come to me and acknowledge me in all of your ways, and trust in me with all of your heart, and stop leaning on your own understanding, you know what I'll do? I'll straighten it out. I'll straighten out the way. I will direct the way. The original is better. It carries with it this idea of, I will straighten out the path that you've thoroughly messed up. I will straighten out this mess. But it's a prerequisite, threefold prerequisite, three conditions required before God will do that. Uh, one more, there's Philippians 4, 6 through 8. It's actually 6 and 7, but it's one of those three things we do, and then He will do one thing. What are the three things that I do? Okay, it's conditional. Okay, 
You'll worry about no thing, one, when you pray about everything, two, and thank Him for anything, three, then He will give you this perfect peace that surpasses human comprehension. It is too high for your understanding. I mean, everything around you is falling apart. But this peace is not predicated on what's happening around you. Because it's a perfect peace from a perfect God who will keep you in that perfect peace. Because you're trusting in Him, you're acknowledging Him. He'll keep you there in that perfect peace. And He will keep your heart and your mind. No worries. Yeah, but you see what's happening? No. Perfect peace. Yeah, but this isn't good. I'm trusting the Lord. Yeah, but what about, no, I've, I've already acknowledged the Lord, and I've taken that to the Lord. He's got it. He's going to take care of it. Yeah, but this is a mess. I know. Watch, watch what He's going to do. He's going to straighten this thing out, as only He can. And then He alone gets the glory. Verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, or Yahweh, the Lord is everlasting strength. For He brings down those who dwell on high. The lofty city, He lays it low. He lays it low to the ground. He brings it down to the dust. The foot shall tread it down. The feet of the poor and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is uprightness. Oh, most upright. You weigh the path of the just. Yes, in the way of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you. The desire of our soul is for your name and for the remembrance of you. With my soul, verse 9, I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me I will seek you early. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Now verse 10 is interesting. Let grace be shown to the wicked. Oh, he has. Yet he will not learn righteousness. I had, uh, I heard someone say it, something along the lines of, you don't think God's been gracious for the last 6,000 years of human history? You don't think God has extended His grace to mankind over human history? I mean, one need look no further than to what you would do if you were God, which is why you're not God. <laughs> That's why I'm not God. I wouldn't have been that gracious. I'd have torched Him a long time ago. Oh, you laugh, but you would have done the same thing. No, He's extended grace. He's long-suffering. He's slow to anger. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should repent. Let grace be shown to the wicked, yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness he will deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. You know some people, uh, it's their minds already made up, their fate is already sealed up, and their heart is already hardened up. Lord, verse 11, when your hand is lifted up, they will not see, but 
This is interesting. They will see and be ashamed for their envy of people. Yes, the fire of your enemies shall devour them. In other words, they're going to see the righteous whom God has blessed, and they're going to be envious and covetous of it. Verse 12, Lord, you will establish peace for us, for you have also done all our works in us. O Lord our God, masters besides you have had dominion over us, but by you only we make mention of your name. They are dead. They will not live. They are deceased. They will not rise. Therefore you have punished and destroyed them, and made all their memory to perish. You have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have expanded all the borders of the land. Lord, in trouble they have visited you. They poured out a prayer when your chastening was upon them. Isn't that how it is? When, when do we cry out to the Lord? When we're getting a spanking? And that's, uh, sometimes that's what it takes, and that's a good thing. At least that works. It's when the heavy hand of God is upon us that we cry out to Him, and He hearkens unto the voice of our cry. Verse 17, as a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pangs, when she draws near the time of her delivery, so have we been in your sight, O Lord. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not accomplished any deliverance in the earth, nor have the inhabitants of the world fallen. In other words, apart from you, Lord, we can do no thing. There dwells no good thing in me apart from you. You have to birth it. And these are birth pains. Your dead, verse 19, shall live together with my dead body. Hang on. They shall arise, awake and sing. You who dwell in the dust, speaking of the dead, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Verse 19, it's believed, is a reference to Matthew 27. When the graves were opened, remember that? And many were resurrected following Christ's resurrection. I would encourage you to read Matthew 27. This is a reference to verse 19, is a reference to Matthew 27, verse 20. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of His place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. That's the surprise. That's it? Yeah, just a second. You know what verse 20 is talking about? The rapture. Wait, how do you get there? Listen to this. Enter 
the bridal chamber, my bride, my church, my people. Shut the doors behind you. You're safely ensconced in my bridal chamber, that place that I told you I would go to prepare for you in my father's house. And if it were not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am there you will be also. And I will come back and I will snatch you as the bridegroom would snatch and abduct the bride at a day and an hour that nobody knew as a thief in the night. And he would snatch her away, rapture her away, and take her away to that place that he prepared for her, that bridal chamber, and they would consummate and celebrate their union together for a week. That's what I'm talking about right there. One has said it this way, while the world is tribulating (laughs) for seven years, we're celebrating. And oh, by the way, while we're safely hid away in this bridal chamber, the Lord's going to take care of things down here during the seven year tribulation. There's another thought here, and then we'll, I can't think of a better way to end a Bible study than with these two verses, because it's also believed that this has a twofold fulfillment, not just with the rapture of the church before the tribulation, but also it speaks to the protecting of the remnant of Jews during the tribulation, where for the last three and a half years they are protected in this place that was prepared for them in the desert for three and a half years, the last three and a half years from the Antichrist, and then the whole house of Israel will be saved. I believe that this is a twofold prophecy, yet future, speaking of the rapture before the tribulation and the salvation of the Jewish nation in the tribulation. I just would like for us to be mindful of this one truth from which we can find much needed encouragement, especially in the days in which we are living today. That there's coming a day that we will partake with Him in His kingdom. That He's going to come back, and He's going to snatch us away as a thief in the night, and He's going to take us to that bridal chamber, and He's going to hide us away And we're going to celebrate. You know what happens at the conclusion of the seven? The bride, for the first time, by the way, emerges from that bridal chamber. And they have a huge feast. That's what Jesus is referring to. Lord, thank you for giving us this reminder, especially in this crazy world. knowing that you're coming back for us, that you're going to take us out of this world, snatch us away. Jesus, we're going to have all eternity to praise you, to thank you, and to worship you. Lord, come. Come quickly. Maranatha. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with your wind.